is a totally deep hole. Yeah! Now what? I don't know. since we recorded because last week I was at Sci-Fi Weekend uh, with a, a bunch of other people um, getting way too drunk. Um, it is episode 60. Uh, I am your host Mark Foster and I am joined as ever by my co-host. Ian Loring, my guys. Uh, and uh, this uh, week we are looking at Darren Aronofsky's biblical fantasy epic Noah. Uh, we'll be tackling the next part of our when Ian and Mark met Rob. Marathon with the uh, 1994 film Noah. Uh, we're also going to throw some one-up, one news your way, uh, chat a bit of trailers, questions, and probably a few tangents as uh, usual. Uh, at Dude the Monkey on Twitter, DudeTheMonkey at gmail.com. And Ian, have you got anything else to add before we, we dive into the depths of episode 60? Um, no. Cool. I'd think about that one, but no. Um, right. Well, I'll, I'll I'll get straight in then. Ian. Uh, uh, what trailers have you uh, been uh, watching? Okay, cool. So I, I went on. I've just gone on traileraddict.com, and there's a bunch of trailers I've missed. So I don't know what the fuck I've been doing. But um, yeah, so we've got a couple months. Uh, a couple months. Couple weeks. Fucking hell. A couple weeks worth to uh, to get through. So um, a new trailer for Edge of Tomorrow, which um, I'm rather looking forward to. Actually, it's an interesting aesthetic to that, and. Um, you know, Tom Cruise in an action film, I'll watch it, you know. Um, yeah. um, Hercules, the teaser trailer for Hercules. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, it's The Rock with long hair, um, like punching animals or something by the looks <laughs> of it. I'll, I'll watch it, why yeah. not? That, that's absolutely fine by me. Uh, teaser for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which... Um, uh, as I said on last week's 35mm Heroes, I think that the turtles look like sex pests, but um, <laughs> aside from that, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm bang up for that. Um, 
They just want to <laughs> fuck Megan Fox so bad. Um, yeah. Uh, the red band for sex tape, which looks really, 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 really meh. Um, if the reviews are good for it, fair play, but that's going to be like watching it at home if ever there was one. Um, the uh, new trailer for Expendables 3, which doesn't really do anything. I mean, it does exactly what the first trailers for Expendables 1 and 2 does. It says these people are in this film. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. So, you know, hey. And um, I've probably seen others, but those are the ones that are really kind of popping up at the moment. So um, I'll hand it over to you, bud. Um Pretty much those, uh, yeah. The uh, the teenage the uh, turtles one um, just looks very much like uh, at some point we might end up having a, a Transformers Terminator crossover. Seeing as the lettering is just the Transformers lettering but in green, uh, and it looks incredibly dark. And I don't mean in tone, just dark. Yeah, it looks like they just like didn't have budget budget for the lights. Yeah, or something, or like they had like them on a dimmer, and they had to keep them at like thirty percent or something. It's a good boy. Yeah, and um, just I mean, I was, I was talking to Noel about this in the week, and I, I with the turtles one, I kind of wish I cared, but I just don't. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. That's the thing, though. I mean, like at least I liked the turtles when I was a kid. And I got the toys and stuff, but I'm not married to that kind of thing as it seems other people are. And it just like if it's a good film, cool. If it's not, fine. I'll probably watch it in a couple of years on Sally. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much exactly the same. Mm. Um, the latest X Men trailer. Um, the oh yeah, 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 yeah. For, for, for X Men, um, they really are building it up to be something pretty epic um, with, with this. Um, with the trailers and it's kind of it's it, I've gone from being a little bit like do you know what I, I'm not actually that excited so I'm, I'm actually quite excited now about it yeah yeah I mean why not I um you know I, I'm intrigued to see Brian Singer direct another X-Men film it looks like this is going to be kind of Fox's big play to like like Sony are doing with Spider-Man and like the villains and setting up films. It kind of looks like this is going to be Fox's big play. You've got this this year, you've got Fantastic Four next year, you're going to have X-Men Apocalypse the year after, you're going to have Fantastic Four 2 the year after that. And then the year after, I think they've announced that like an, a, a mystery movie that somehow involves Marvel, which I'm assuming if Fantastic Four goes well, is going to be a crossover. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, which will be interesting because those two universes don't, necessarily feel like they would kind of mesh well but um i don't know who knows they're probably going to make fantastic four dark and gritty and whatnot aren't they so well yeah i mean is it announced that they're changing the cast story already oh no that was a rumor is it a rumor um, that was that was yeah. unfounded um trailer for palo alto um looks looks like another one of those type of movies those kind of constant stream of coppola movies um the trailer for Venus in Fur, uh, the new Polanski movie, um, which is just it's based on a play, uh, just him and an actress um, on stage uh, throughout. Uh, looks very interesting. Don't want to go into all of the um, should we watch Polanski um, films bullshit because I really can't bother that. It was just a trailer. Um, the sex tape red band, same. Uh, it looks generic as fuck. I will not be going to see it in the cinema, but I'll happily watch it um, at home. Mm. Um, if you know, it's one of those where if I chuckle a few times, then you know I'm happy. I don't expect much, but I'll 
I'll happily sit down on a fucking Thursday night and switch off and, and watch that. Straight up. Um, the the drop. Um, Tom Hardy, James Gandolfini film. Um, looks very good. I mean, it's you know I think that is I think that is James Gandolfini's last film. I think as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, and it's been a while really since we've had anything you know from Tom Hardy. We've got Locke and that coming out um, later on this year. Um, so it looks very good. You know, it's got a very good cast. It's from it's from a Dennis uh, Lehane um, book who you know wrote um, Mystic River and Shutter Island. So it, that could be quite you know it, it could be very good. Um, it's it unlikely that it that it'll miss too many beats with those people involved. Um, the trailer for Lucy, uh, the terribly named but interesting looking film, um, based on one of those terrible um, scientific myths of we only use 10% of our brain, what if we used all of it, kind of bollocks, uh, but looks like a fun film, uh, and you know, Scarlett Johansson is on a rich vein of form at the moment, and long may it continue because she's a very entertaining uh, and an interesting actress to spend time with. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it, it, that basically looks like Limitless, the action film. Yeah, it does a little bit. Yeah, um, and uh, the trailer for Chef, uh, the um, John Favreau movie starring um, basically anybody he could get from the Avengers. Uh, and John Leguizamo. Um, I mean, it looks fun, but the trailer... Have you seen this trailer yet? No, not yet, no. It, it, the trailer's a mess. Okay. Uh, the film looks like it could be quite a lot of fun, but the first half of the trailer you're watching going, that doesn't look very good, actually. That looks quite boring. And then the second half of the trailer you go, oh, that's where it's, that's starting to look interesting then. Um, but it, it's it, it's a strange one. So yeah, that that's pretty much everything I've I, I've seen. To be honest, I've had an incredibly busy uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else. Actually, nothing's nothing's coming to mind. So uh, should we move on? Yes, um, and um, we'll move on to the trailer for um, Noah, uh, the Darren Aronofsky film starring Russell Crowe. Jennifer Connelly, Ray Winston, Emma Watson, Anthony Hopkins, Logan Lerman, and a load of others. Um, so here is the trailer for Noah. They said that one day, if man continued in his ways, the creator would annihilate this world. Can it not be averse? He speaks to you. You must trust that he speaks in a way that you can understand. I saw water. Death by water. That's on your life. A great flood is coming. We build a vessel to survive the storm. We build an ark. You don't know your king. 
There isn't anything for you here. I have made up my back. Can you stand alone and defy me? I'm not alone. Cool, that was the uh, trailer for Noah, the um, Christian baiting, mentally ill, shit building, morally questionable relationship, Cockney Cave, Epic Rain. Ian, what did you think of Noah? <laughs> nice. Uh, <clears throat> Noah, um, right, so yeah, Noah, I came to it kind of excited despite the fact that I thought the, uh, the marketing campaign, you know, it was aiming for as broad an audience as possible and it kind of made it look like it just wasn't going to be interesting in the slightest. But the, the reviews have been good, you know, Aronofsky's Aronofsky. And I think it's a film that if you're not in in the first 10, 15 minutes, you're fucked for the entire film. Um, if you're not into, like, the way it looks and Clint Mansell's score and Russell Crowe being as Russell crowe as he is here, um, it, it, I, you know, I just think you're going to disconnect and you're not going to take any of it seriously. And then by the time the watches turn up, you're just going to be like, nah, done. I didn't disconnect. Um, I think I liked the pre-flood stuff more than I liked the on-the-arc and, spoiler alert, post-flood stuff. Um, yeah, um, remember, everybody, we are all spoilers all of the time. So um, it, it's going to get spoilery. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, there's a fair bit to spoil with yeah. with this, surprisingly. Um, but yeah, so I like the pre-flood stuff more. Like, I thought Aronofsky was kind of on it with like visually more. Then again, when he's on the arc, there's only so much you can do with people stood around in an arc. So yeah, I, I suppose that's fair enough. Um, you know, I, I I have issues with the film, but overall, I thought it was well worth a watch, and I think it it. It's probably, I mean, well, no, it is the least of Aronofsky's films, but it's still, I thought, a good time in its own right. Yeah, I mean, what I, I, I can sit with is, um, I, I, I think it's interesting the fact that Aronofsky, very much after um, the success of um, The Wrestler and um, Black Swan, um, he very much went out there and looked for a budget film. He looked for something that he could get a hundred million plus for. You know, he actively kind of toyed with doing some uh, a comic book film because he knew that he'd get a budget for it. And uh, you know, so he looked at the Superman movie. He looked at the Wolverine, and it, and it always seemed 
like when it, it was it was linked with Wolverine, everyone was a little bit like, God, I can't even get a fucking Aronofsky Wolverine, and it never happened. And you kind of get the feeling that it, it just never felt right for him, but he wanted that budget. And then with Noah, you know, he he got that budget. You know, a large thing because, you know, it's it it, it sits along. It, it's going for that Christian market can be sometimes quite a safe way to go. And I think that that. Um, Aronofsky knew that he'd get the money and he got he had the freedom to kind of make the, the film that he wanted to make. And as well, it was a passion project as well for him. You know, and the last time he did a passion project with The Fountain, it, it, it just, it kind of set him back a little bit because it seemed too indulgent. I was a, a big fan of The, the Fountain. Um, so I, I went into Noah sort of not really knowing what to expect, to be honest. Um and like you, I, I I much preferred the the, the pre um, arc um, stuff. I thought it, the film very much lost its way on the arc. Um, and I'll be honest, um, I thought it kind of got lost in just itself. I think it was. It's very much a a film where he's like I say, it's very much a passion project. But it just got a little bit daft for me. And it, there was a few egos too many on it. Uh, I think Russell Crowe's very good uh, because he's obviously well on board. Uh, but I just think that... I, I like the way that Aronofsky absolutely sets this out as a fantasy movie as well. Um, but it it lost me about half an hour, 40 minutes in, and although I kind of got something out of it, um, it, it just, it failed to connect with me, um, and there were just too many just, just fucking awful performances in it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I, like, I, I, I will say this film wouldn't have existed if Aronofsky hadn't made Black Swan. I mean, Black Swan did no. um, over $300 million worldwide, which is insane for, for that film. It just seemed to capture a zeitgeisty thing where it's a very people... good film. Yeah, no, no, it is. But it's... Would you ever have thought Black Swan would have made $300 million worldwide? I mean, like that that is actually kind of low-level blockbuster money. And it's Black Swan, a film which I rewatched last week, and is fantastic. I think, I, I think, I think the Natalie so Portman odd. effect uh, helped. Oh no, it totally did. It totally did. But um, it, it kind of felt like a water cooler film as well. It felt like a, a, you know, it's a short I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think the Mila Kunis, Natalie Portman lesbian sex scene probably helped with that, you know. But um, it, it just um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, without Black Swan, wouldn't have got made. No. Um, I mean that that's that's interesting. I mean, I, it sounds like I liked it more than you then, yeah. uh, which is interesting. I mean, I. I enjoyed the spectacle of it all, and I liked that it was a film that, for the most part, played it rather agnostic. I think you know that it's that this Noah is a fucking madman. He's mentally ill. He, yeah, he, yeah. He, he has. He is mentally ill, and they're all going along with him until. I mean, there's there's a bit in it and remember we are all spoilers all the time where I was actually at a point where I was actually saying to myself in my head um, saying do you know what 
The only thing that can save this film for me right now is if Russell Crowe stabs a baby. If Russell Crowe stabs a baby, that's it. This film has gone fucking 360 for me, and I'm back to the point where I'm going, this is brilliant. And then he doesn't stab a baby, and I'm like, well, that's just fucked then. Well, well, well. Um... That, that, was, that was my... That, that, that was where it, it was like, right, so he's mentally ill up to that point where he goes, I can't do it. Like, oh, you've done all no, these things, it's... but you can't stab a baby. It's basic. Well, no, it's a character arc. It's, it, it is a character arc, but it's just it felt incredibly contrived. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll agree with that. It's like he is full bore for it no the entire way, him. And, 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 and then it's that. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It just that feels appropriate for this story for me because it's a stupid story. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I can, I can. I can thoroughly absolutely agree with that uh, that it, it feels appropriate for this story but my problem is this story for me didn't didn't connect it just, yeah yeah no that, yeah, that, that's why i mean i mean the, the story the story didn't really connect all that much with me it was the visuals and the sound that i was into you know but, incredible. yeah i mean Clint, yeah Clint Mansell's a fucking genius thing for me I, I mean, I, I would say that, but also, the, I, mean, I mean, just, I know I keep on saying, the, the look of it, like, at the start, you've got, um, like, the, the shots in Iceland, that it's just, like, it's kind of, like, it's kind of dawn-ish, and it's just there's Russell Crowe and Jennifer Connelly's silhouettes kind of uh, talking, and, you know, the um, the vision sequences that he has, and, I mean, there's that one in- incredible shot, which I found really, really harrowing, which where um, it's... Um, you know, the, the arc's kind of in the background and in the forefront, it's kind of like the top of a mountain and there are just, there's just a mass of people climbing up this thing, clinging for dear life and then a wave comes and like washes away a load. Oh, yes, it. yes, I yeah, saw it, that, yeah. That was a yeah, creepy was fucking well. image to me. Yeah, there, there, there was a few things like that and I'll, I'll come to a point with that. But, and I, I, I swear to God, I'm not just being a massive con. I swear no, to God, no, no, I'm no, no, I know, I know, I know. You know the, the vision bits where you had the silhouettes and stuff like that? Um, I saw an advert for Swinton Insurance after I saw this film and thought, oh, fuck, that looks like the Noah. That looks like the vision scenes in Noah. And I actually said to Becky, that looks like the vision scenes in Noah. And I actually got a still and showed her and she was like, oh, God, it does. And I thought, that that's, that's the bit that... I've seen so many people saying, oh, that was really beautiful and wonderful. I thought, it's not a fucking Swinton insurance advert. Well, um, all right. Well, I mean, it. I don't know. I I, I was into it. I, I mean, think it, it, if, if you're on board with the film, you're more likely to take it. I think that's totally what it is. You know, but I mean, if you want to get into bits I wasn't too big on, you know, everyone other than Noah are super, maybe Emma Watson, are super, super underwritten. It, it is, but do you think that, with the Emma Watson one, do you think that if you had an actress that could act, um, that I, character I, would be better? I, I, thought she was, I, I thought she was all right for what it was. I thought she was fucking awful. Oh, fair enough. I don't know. It just, I... I, I thought her relationship with Russell Crowe's character, which kind of ultimately like fulfills his arc, I, I, I thought was actually well played. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, we're obviously coming at this from two slightly different directions, I think. But um, I mean, I thought Russell Crowe was all right as well. To be I, honest, yeah, but... I, I think Crowe's right because he's absolutely thoroughly on board with it. He's yeah, yeah. I mean, he is full he... tilt boogie. He yeah, and, and and Russell Crowe, let's be honest, Russell Crowe is a good actor. You know, he 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 can be a bit of a prick <laughs> sometimes, but he he is actually quite a good actor under all that. Um, and you know, he's. I just think he's not exactly surrounded by anybody who kind of stands up and goes, oh, by the way, I'm also here as well. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Logan Lerman, he, I, 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 I thought he was OK. He's just, it, he, it, it, it is what it is, his role. You know, it, it doesn't go in any unexpected directions. You know, it, the, the, his resolution with stabbing Ray Winstone felt a little bit, really? Yeah, what, that quickly? That yeah, 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 pretty much, yeah. Um, you know, Douglas Booth may as well have not been there. Oh, he's 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 terrible. Yeah, I mean that that was. I mean that thing you were saying about maybe a better a better actor when you were talking about Emma Watson might have, might have made more of an impression. I I would totally say that for Douglas Booth. He is a complete bland wet blanket, and yeah. it's like towards the end where he's just like, you're not going to kill my baby. It's just like, what the fuck what, are you going to do? Yeah, what, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to look even more simpering than you already do? Mm, mm. Yeah, he's... Uh, he's. There's a, there's a point where you, where you look at him when he first arrives, because the kid who plays the young Shem uh, is actually quite good. And then Douglas Booth arrives, and you go, and you go, ah, right, so he's Joe McHandsome bastard Shem. And then yeah. as it goes on, you go... Actually, he's not that handsome. He's quite fucking weird looking. Sure, um, sure. And it, it, it's 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 weird that, that it, it, it's weird casting, to be honest, in the in the film because you get the feeling that if if there had been slightly smarter casting than you know in in those roles, it would have just been it would have elevated these characters. But Ray Winston just feels like Ray Winston feels like he's just being one of the characters out of those sky fucking one things he does at Easter and Christmas. To me, he feels like he feels like the big floating head that he that, that yeah. comes up on half time. On the bet, three six five. Yeah. yeah. Also, as well, at one point he he goes right from being fucking blown up when he blows up that watcher to then. Managing to climb up the side of the arc and smash a hole in it and climb through it to be incapacitated for months with a bad leg. Well, it, I, I, but that happens before he starts fucking climbing the arc. Well, yeah, there's, I don't there's know. a lot of holes in this. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, but I mean, you could just say, "Fuck it," he had adrenaline and he had determination and he just did it. You know, I mean, like it, it's it's. You know, if you're going to start poking holes in the story of Noah... But, but, Aronofsky is trying to give this thing more, a, a lot of weight. This is, he's taking this fucking seriously. Yes, he is taking it seriously, but at the same time, I mean, what would you, what would you have instead? I mean, like, it probably would take months to get over some sort of leg injury at that time when you've got like... I don't know, I, I agree with that, and that makes sense, but it doesn't make sense that he managed to climb up an arc and then bash a hole in it while it's being knocked about by waves. He's, I don't know, it is what it is. I mean, how else do you want to get want him to get in the arc? He's got to get no, in the I arc. Agree how are you going to get into the arc? That, that's fine, 
But I just think that the whole bit just seemed a little bit, a little bit messy. The whole film seemed messy. Yeah, it, it is, and it's sprawling, and it's kind of meandering in places, and it, it, I mean, it, it is all over the place. But and how's it spelled? That that is a good question, um, because frankly, because the BBFC still don't seem to take into account that just because shit isn't shown on screen, the tone of it can make it even the what should that, be a higher rated film. Even the shit that's shown. Do you think? Yeah, do, yeah. do you think that? And I'm gonna put it to you this way: Do you think if this isn't based on a biblical story, this gets a fifteen? I would f- say Shane Meadows directed this, and you had that shot where it was exactly the same film, exactly the f- same film, but Shane Meadows directed it. It would probably, you know, and maybe it wasn't released by Paramount. It would probably be a fifteen. Yeah, I, you know, I was... that that one shot I mentioned earlier on of the people on the on the mountain. Like that is sustained. Mm. What it's saying is there for all to see, and it is so fucking dark, and everything around it is so dark. You know, you got the bit where you know you think it's you think it's the wind howling, and it turns out it's people, people fucking screaming. screaming. Yeah, and that, you know, that I mean, isn't, it isn't fleeting. You know. No, no, it's sustained. That's the thing. It's all really prolonged, and it wallows in it, and it's appropriate to wallow in it because it's harrowing as fuck, and that's what it's intended as. Hmm. But it's not twelve material at all. And also, the uh, you know, we see a, 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 a lamb get ripped to pieces. Oh yeah, there was that. Yeah. Um, it, it was. It, it's. It, it's incredibly confusing of, of, of how this was only a twelve. You know, I, I could. You know, I could see a lot of parents taking their kids to see this and coming out of it going, fucking hell. Well, yeah, especially considering the marketing, which I mentioned earlier on. And that releasing kind of it when they released it. Yeah, it, yeah, true that. It's all it, it. It paints it as a fucking blockbuster. Yeah. Everything about it does, and that's fair enough, that's what the marketing is there for. I'm just going to, I'm just having a look at the BBFC website now. Hmm. Moderate violence. Moderate violence is mostly shown without detail and includes axe blows, stabbings, implied limb breaks, and a brief blood spray on a man's face. There are some injuries of in, uh, simple images of injuries such as bloody cuts to sight dead animals. Moderate threat includes nightmare visions of a drowned man and a man threatening to kill newborn babies. Yes, also the fact that you are seeing a um, massive people get wiped away by a wave while the howls of these people dying surrounds the Ark and the people in the Ark are listening to it. Yeah, it, did, uh, did they see all the film? Did the guy go out for a piss during one bit and then just, like, all right, went out, he went out, got coffee, had a cigarette, had a dump, came back and just went, fuck it, 12. Yeah, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, I'm, that's one thing I can agree on with you for this film. <laughs> that and Clint Mansell's score. Yes, that and Clint Mansell's score. But, I mean, I'm going back to Ray Winstone, though. When I say it, I think he's the embodiment of the head from the Bet365 commercials, I mean that just in terms of he is the embodiment of sin and a kind of, like, a gleeful joy in the sin, which I believe uh, Ray Winstone is essaying in the Bet365 commercials. <laughs> I mean, it, he is the devil on your shoulder. Yeah. He's the one who's going, go on. You can just get your mobile and you can bet him play. You don't even have to get off your fucking sofa. You, you see that fatty boom boom, you see your phone. Yeah, just smush your fucking fingers in there and you're done, eh? Right, that's the longer app, you can't. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, exactly. He is, that is two ball cane. Yeah. 
That's, I mean, I, you know, I mean, that's what Ray Winstone does. And I, to be honest, I think that's fine. And also, you know, it does descend into a fist fight between him and Russell Crowe towards the end. But if you're going to have someone have a fight, a fist fight with Russell Crowe, you do need someone physically imposing. And Ray Winstone does do that. I think in a real fist fight, Russell Crowe would beat the living hell out of Ray Winstone. I agree with that, but it's the physical threat, like just the. The image of the men taking each other on. Yeah, because because I, I I have a feeling that that that, that Russell Crowe is the sort of man who could have that kind of psychological breakdown that Noah has. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, he, he absolutely. He could build an arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. Um, what do you think of the watches? Um, they they were they were good. They were they were very they were. They were a little bit like a um, a little bit like a Del Toro drawing, and that's not a criticism in any way at all. Uh, I thought they were interesting. I thought they added to the fantasy element of it. Uh, I thought it was interesting that um, that Aronofsky just doesn't stick to um, the biblical uh, um, aspects uh, of uh, Noah from Genesis. I think it, it's interesting that he goes outside and he uses other um, uh, you know scripture and things like that that are outside of the um, Christian doctrine. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I thought the idea of them was awesome, like the fallen angels that God had cursed and whatnot. And then, yeah, the, the whole the whole scene of, of how they fell to earth and become encased in rot, I, that was, I, I thought that was, it was good. It, it was, it looked visually nice. It was, it was, it was one of the, certainly one of the, 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 the better bits of the movie. Certainly, without question. Oh, fair enough. I, yeah, I mean, it just like a lot of people are comparing them to Transformers and whatnot, and it's just like... What's it? what's it? what's an asinine, retarded thing to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is lazy, and I mean, but I mean, I like the stop-motion look of them, and, you know, I, I don't know, I, I, I liked what they were and what they represented. I mean, I, the thing is, I, I, it just, I was on board, you, pardon me, you weren't, you know, and I, th- I think that's why I'm being kinder to certain elements, even though I will say it's definitely not perfect it's you know it's not going to be touching my top 25 30 at the end of the year for sure but i will say i probably will buy it on blu-ray at some point uh, joe i i i'm just going to completely contradict what we're going to say in a minute um i'll 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 watch it again because it was it, it's a fun spectacle to watch it once but it is to use a loringism it is bobbins um sure and at one point, I I burst out laughing at a moment I don't think I well I know but I know I wasn't supposed to laugh at. Um, and a lot of people turned around and kind of looked at me in that scornful way that I would normally look at people in the cinema. And I thought, you know what, you're probably right to do that, but I genuinely didn't mean to laugh out loud. Um, and that was at the moment where um, she had twins. And for some oh, reason, okay. for some reason, yeah, that just made me laugh. I thought, that's I, brilliant. It, that's brilliant. It's, it's, it's kind time. of like the whole thing where there is like, oh no, what is it? There's another. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could kind of see where you're coming I, from. I now. literally at that point went, and then my brain's going, please let them both be girls. <laughs> mm. And, and, and that, then that just led into, ah, oh, fucking hell, Russell Crowe might have a baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like, Wait, we, haven't, I, I, we haven't even talked about Anthony Hopkins. Oh, oh I mean, look, 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 look at his berries, I am. Look at his berries. Fine, fine, have the berries. Come here, my love. Yeah, that was fine by me. I don't know. It just, it is, 
it is it is ridiculous and it is silly in points, but I, I like what Aronofsky's trying to do. And the thing is, I think it was Stuart Barr at Matchman on Twitter said, you know, in the end of the day, you're never going to see anything like this again. You're never going to see that, like somebody like Darren Aronofsky get this amount of money to make this. Yeah, but we said it a lot. We said. I, it d- a lot I just, I don't think you are. I, I like. I mean, what, what's like? I don't know. I, in, in, in 10, 15 years' time, somebody else will manage to convince a studio head when the studio head has done a little bit too much of whatever the in-drug is at that point to give them a shitload of money to make, essentially, a, a, a passion project. And it'll happen, and it'll, be, it'll either be magnificent or it just won't fucking work. But I mean, well, actually, you might be right as well, just because in terms of the box office, I mean, it's it's, it's not a flop. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely not. It's, it's going to make double its budget. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. Let's have a look here. Production budget, 125 mil. It's on 178 million, uh, according to Box Office Mojo. And still got a few places to do. Shit loads of, yeah, shit loads of territories haven't even opened, according to it, yeah. So, I mean, I it's, mean, it's going to make a lot of money. George, but I did actually quite enjoy it. Russell Crowe making his own wine. Yeah, that was good, with the grapes and one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was fun. Then just turning it with drunk. Mm. No, I mean, I, I, I just, yeah, no, that was good. I mean, I'm just looking here now. Um... Even though, I mean, it's been banned in quite a few countries, but um, <laughs> yeah. it did it did 10 million in Mexico. It's done 12 million in South Korea. Um, you know, I mean, I, the UK opened up at number three, but it was against uh, Captain America and Divergent. So, you know, yeah, it's... It, 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 I mean, the bit of the screen I went to was... Do, do you know what? I, 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 I don't begrudge it, you know, making money. You know, it, it's, it, it's one of those films where I'm glad if people went there... And got some out of it. I just didn't. Yeah, no, cool. Uh, I mean, that, that, I suppose that that's about it, really. I mean, I am uh, definitely not shit and somewhat surprised at how definitely not shit I am, despite the fact it was Darren Aronofsky, who's a man who has not made a bad film for me. So I'm, I'm, a, I, um, I'm that it, 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 it's shit, but um, there is, there is, there is bits there that I think some people will get some out of, and if people got some out of it, uh, I'm, I'm fucking glad about that, and I'm all, all for that. Fair play. Cool. Uh, right. So that was uh, our review of Noah, uh, and then uh, now we'll get into some one old one new after we've had some promos from podcasts that we uh, like and enjoy. <laughs> It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick to manage it. You'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything. Action. <laughs> Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> And romance. Now he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such easy prey. Noel Miller presents. You're the problem, you little shit. The Adventures in VHS podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Join me, Noel Mellor, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures of VHS or visit adventuresofvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time though. I mean, I must. This is on. You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who would keep a secret. I'm Sarah from GorePress.com, and along with my co-host Phil, we present the GorePress Gorecast. But Sarah, what is the GorePress Gorecast? Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting. Hello, and welcome to another... Go- oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake, no, that is not helping! That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it? It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what we've watched recently and selflessly plumb the depths of B-Movie Hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid. Well, that just sounds dandy. Where could I find such a podcast? Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new Gorepress Gorecast in iTunes or you can find us at gorepress.com. So much knowledge about this film. Okay, Ian, uh, do you want to uh, throw your one old or one new at us? Okay, so, um, um, you know, I'll, I'll go with my one new first off. Um, so, I had watched um, 300 Rise of an Empire um, last weekend, with, um, and I watched a film that kind of pairs with it quite well. Um, uh, sorry. Rennie Harlins, The Legend of Hercules. <laughs> starring Kellen Lutz as Hercules. Um, with Scott, Scott Adkins as the antagonist. Um, <laughs> I, I wonder how sometimes, how films manage to get distribution in in cinemas i'm not i'm you know i'm not talking about like direct to dvd or sci-fi or whatever but how some films actually get man get to be put out in the cinema and it's like did it i just wonder sometimes did the film buyers actually realize what they're putting on and like putting out there on screens or whether it's just like sometimes there's a dearth of content and it's just so there's something 
That brings me to The Legend of Hercules, which is a film that would, it's just so out of place on a big screen that it kind of boggles the mind. Um, it, I mean, I, I mean, disappointingly, it's shot by Neil Marshall's regular cinematographer, Sam McCurdy, oh, um, yeah. who I, you know, Centurion is a good-looking film. Doomsday is a good-looking film. The Descent does some crazy good stuff on a small budget. And then you've got The Legend of Hercules, which basically feels like the digital scrapings of, of development work done on the look of the first 300, but they've been kind of like a dog's shit on them. And then the dog's like smeared its ass on the digital scrapings, and then they've somehow been uploaded again, and they look like The Legend of Hercules. And I mean, like, I think maybe it's not Sam McCurdy's fault. Maybe he was just told to do it like this. But it is it just looks so fucking terrible and cheap and just It costs seventy million. That is retarded. It it costs seventy million that film. Retarded. There is one bit that looks impressive and it's towards the end. And it's when Hercules has been imbued with the power of Zeus and he kind of whips, but he basically whips these chains around like he's whiplash from Iron Man 2. And it looks better in Iron Man 2. <laughs> and this is pretty much the visual effects showpiece of the entire film. Um, so the story, such as it is, I, it's kind of a different, at least as far as I know, telling of Hercules. Basically, Hercules' mother is fucked by Zeus and well actually this like a uh, rich possessed woman comes up to her and says you know do you want the world of this land to be stopped to tyranny yeah let Zeus fuck you <laughs> so it's like okay then so then Zeus is getting his jiggy on with her but it's like the wind you know so it's like she's fucking a fart <laughs> um, and then Scott Adkins walks in and he's like who's there who's doing this to my woman and there's nobody there and then Hercules is born and Scott Atkins is like, he's obviously not my kid, but, you know, I can't really say that. 20 years later, he's grown up to be Kellen Lutz. He's got a brother who is Scott Atkins' kid, who's just like a sniveling little runt. It's like um, Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator. Yeah. If he had some, just somehow had miraculously recovered from Down syndrome, but hadn't quite got there. I know people can't recover from Down syndrome. It just, it kind of feels like he's just kind of woken up from a mental stupor <laughs> for the last 20 years. And there he is. Um, so yeah, um, and basically Hercules is essentially sent off to die because he's wanting to fuck the princess of Crete. Well, actually he has, but he wants to marry her, but Scott, Scott Adkins, Adkins is legitimate kid is actually going to marry her. So he's basically sent off to die. Essentially he becomes a gladiator. So it becomes gladiator for about 10 minutes. Um, and it's basically, um, 300, plus Gladiator divided by Twilight equals The Legend of Hercules. Um, I, I mean, Bob, the thing is, it, it is fucking terrible. It's, 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 it's really, 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 really bad. But it's not the kind of terrible that you get particularly angry at. It's not grown-ups. How long is it? Like an hour and a half. That's to see that. See, if it feels only an hour and a half, you don't get as angry as you do if they're, you know, 
just shy of two hours. It's like 86 minutes um, before credits how do you or something. How like do you that? make a 70 million pound dollar movie and only make it 80 odd minutes? That's that. That is testament to how crap that film must be. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 totally. I, I just, it's um, yeah, I, 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 I just, I don't really know. I mean, Kellen Lutz is fine with the physical stuff. He's kind of terrible whenever he has to has to open his mouth, other than grunting. Um, I, Scott Adkins is uh, a decent physical threat, but I mean, I like Scott Adkins, but. He, he doesn't quite look right on a big screen, if I'm honest. Um, he, he is good doing what he does, and it's interesting that Rennie Harlan actually gave him this opportunity. I mean, this is Rennie ha- uh, Harlan, who lasted um, the, the Atlov Pass incident, or um, as I think it's known in the US, Devil's Pass, which is a film that played the second screen at Fright Fest in the daytime. <laughs> you know, which give, anyone who's been to Fright Fest knows what that means. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean... I just I, I I I don't know how this got a cinematic release. I mean, like it's like Millennium Entertainment has something on the film buyers of View and Cineworld and Odeon and whatnot. Yeah, and um, I, it kind of feels like they're almost doing like an asylum kind style thing where they're just trying to get in. Well, actually, no, it's like last year where they did Olympus Has Fallen before um, White House Down, and then Olympus Has Fallen actually did better. You know, they just kind of like rush off these cheap knockoff things, but somehow get releases on the big screen. I mean, it, it's baffling. I mean, it's it, absolutely baffling. I, I think it, it, essentially it's off the success of things like the Borgias and um, Spartacus and things like that, and to an extent probably sort of Game of Thrones and things like that. That that kind of sword and sandals thing is is currently kind of back sort of in vogue, and it, you know. It's part of the, you know, like you, said, you mentioned about the sort of zeitgeist thing that, that, that's around at the moment. So they've gone, right, that'll sell, that'll sell at the moment. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that might well be it. <laughs> that might well be it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's done pretty terribly. Actually, I want to, like, soothe my soul and see how badly this is done. 40 odd million. It's done 40 million worldwide. Yeah. Cool. So it's going to lose money. That's that's absolutely fine by yeah. me. I mean, it's, it's disappointing in a way from Eddie Harlan but then again he hasn't made a good film in um... Deep Blue Sea yeah there you go what was that over 15 years ago now yeah about 17 years ago you know so there you go Um, yeah 44 million Jesus Christ Um, it's the 147th biggest grossing 3D film (laughs) that's a fucking poster quote Jesus (laughs) Jesus <laughs> Christ. The 147th highest grossing 3D movie. That's crazy. Um, but, yeah. Um, so that's 3D. That. Yeah, and I mean, there's some stuff in it that kind of looks like it was blatantly done for 3D as well. I mean, it, it's, it's absolute bobbins, but, you know, shock horror. Uh, go on, Mark. Let's have yours. Um, oh, I don't know what to give you my one on. But I'm going to give you my one new, but it's not a new film. Um, I watched, um, after um, we had our conversation about A Few Good Men last week, uh, I decided to uh, re-watch um, Tom Cruise's The Firm. Only okay. um, I, I, I hadn't actually seen it. Uh, what I was thinking The Firm was, was actually uh, the Susan Sarandon and Brad Renfro starring The Client. Um, and so got about 10 minutes in the firm and thought, this is a different film. Uh, and then uh, sort of paused it and thought, 
Oh, I'm thinking of the client, not the firm. Ah, fuck it, I'll still watch it. So I watched it um, and recognised bits of it, but bits that I'd seen from trailers. Um, it's uh, 1993 film, so uh, Cruise before he became, you know, um, megastar Tom Cruise, but when he was, you know, just starting to become, you know, big box office draw. Um, plays a character called Mitch McDeary, uh, who is a young hotshot uh, lawyer about to graduate from Harvard, uh, lives in a tiny apartment with uh, his wife, uh, Abby, played by uh, Jane Dribblehorn, um, who comes from a well-off family, but has given all that up to marry uh, Tom Cruise. Um, he's been chased by all the big uh, law firms, um, and then this... Um, smaller law firm um, from uh, Memphis, Tennessee, comes to um, interview him, um, headed up by, um, I can't remember who it is now, Hal Holbrook, um, and also has Gene Hatton on staff. Um, they make him an offer that he can't refuse, um, and he goes out to Memphis with uh, his wife, and it all gets a bit sort of step for wives. All of the uh, men who work there are all men who work there. They're all married. They've all got kids. And it's emphasised that it's a family firm. Uh, Tom Cruise is getting along thinking this all seems a little too good to be true. And then he's approached by Ed Harris, uh, the FBI, and told that the people he's actually working for are actually mob lawyers um, and that they help uh, embezzle money for the Chicago mob. Uh, and basically tells Tom Cruise that he's got one choice, either he helps them or he gets taken down with the firm. Uh, have you seen this? No, I haven't. It's uh, directed by Sidney Pollock, uh, and it is a really entertaining... I mean, it, it, two and a bit hours long, um, but it, it holds it together um, really well. I mean, you've got supporting performances like Stephen Jane Trebon, Gene Hackman, Hal Holbrook... Um, Ed Harris is in there, Holly Hunter turns up, uh, Gary Boosie's in it, David Stratham's in it. Uh, it's a a really kind of tight thriller uh, that works really well. Uh, there's a lot of kind of double-crossing and sort of plans going on and, you know, Jim uh, Dribblehorn worrying about what's, you know, about what's going on and a lot of... Um, a lot of bits of Tom Cruise trying to work an angle where he can get you know, ahead of everybody and still make it out alive and with some semblance of a career out of it. Um, it's one of those films that hasn't really aged because it doesn't rely on anything sort of technological or anything like that. So, uh, although there's a couple of uses of really old mobile phones, it still looks quite, you know, like it could be made nowadays. Um, and it's still, a, it's still a really entertaining film. Nice, yeah. No, I um, I, I've seen this on Netflix about um for a while actually. I keep on kind of hovering over it, but um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this one at some point. I think it's just it's quite long, isn't it? It is. It is. It's two and a bit hours long, but you could quite easily, you know, you you were saying that you you can um watch films like on a morning uh, or on an evening where you watch a little bit of it with uh, Lottie and then you watch a little bit the next night or the next morning or whatever. Quite yeah, easily yeah. do that with this. You wouldn't lose yeah, the you wouldn't lose the flow of it or the the atmosphere of it at all. You could quite easily watch it in in, in two bits. I watched it um, on the coach going to Wales uh, yeah, sure. sci-fi weekend, and then I watched the rest of it on the train on the way back. Um, and you know, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's always great to see Gary Crazy Gary Boosie on screen as well. Yeah, yeah, nice. Okay, cool, man. Yeah. 
Uh, go on then, what was your one old? Okie dokie, my one old uh, is... Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Sorry, I just um, slammed my earphones down. Um, so yeah, my one old, um, which I... We were just... Um, we were cleaning up the other day, and I realised that I've actually got this on DVD, but um, I, t- I taped it in HD on Film 4, um, so I pr- actually probably watched a better version of it. Um, Scorsese's The King of Comedy, um, which I'd, I'd only seen once before, actually, but I was already fond of it. And, um, yeah, this is some prescient shit, isn't it? Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, like, it's, yeah, amazing. Um, it, it, I mean, you know, a lot of people have obviously brought up the connections to the taxi driver and whatnot, but that really, really came to mind for me here. I mean, particularly the ending of this compared to the ending of Taxi Driver, where the whole it could be all in De Niro's character's head. Mm. Um, it was very, very interesting to me, I must say. Um, you know, the the, the the ending of it is incredible. The way the, um, it's kind of like the, the studio announcer is announcing um, him and, and, and just keeps on kind of going. He's like, here he is, ladies and gentlemen. There he is, Rupert, Rupert Pupkin. There he is, guys. Give him a round of applause, and they just keep on going and keep on going, and he he, he doesn't say anything. I, I, you know, it kind of feels like it's almost like he's just trapped in this mental state where that's just where he thinks he is for the rest of his life or something. Uh, sorry, you going to say something? No, yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's fascinating. Um, and I mean, the it, it balances tone so well. I mean, it is taxi driver if it was kind of playing for laughs instead of like being serious all the time and i mean it's a weird acidic kind of caustic humor but um that i think that wears quite well for for scorsese and and de niro to be honest it kind of it, at this time it kind of felt like this was the only way you were ever going to see de niro give a comedic performance when it was something is intense as this which somehow makes some moments funny mm. I, 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 it's um, very well done but I also like the way that it gives quite a bit of time you know especially in like the first half or so before the, the, the real machinations of the plot get going it gives a lot of time to uh, uh, Jerry Langford uh, Jerry Lewis's character and like the, the way that his life is certainly not perfect in the way he has to deal with autograph hunters or there's that one bit where um, he's stopped by that woman on uh, who's on the phone and she wants him to talk to someone and then and then he, he says I'm late for something she just says I hope you get cancer yeah, yeah. you know I, it just it's uh, uh, that doesn't feel a million miles away at all from how people are now with you know with with, with celebrities and um, you know with with like Twitter and Instagram and and, and celebrities being kind of more available than ever. Mm. It kind of feels like that kind of thing has shifted on cyberspace, you know. And it's like if if it wouldn't feel like a million miles away of a celebrity kind of ignoring someone's constant tweets to them and then that person getting nasty, you know. Which, which, which happens, me. you know, frequently. Excuse me, yeah, but I mean, like, they could do with an anonymity of cyberspace, which makes it more terrifying. I mean, a king of comedy made now would be a hell of a thing, I think. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it, it, it really, it's one of those where Scorsese's and De Niro films that 
it doesn't get the same attention certainly as as you know a good fellas taxi driver and uh, raging bull but it is certainly of a level of those films yeah no it totally is i mean it's um i, I need to rewatch after hours soon as well um you know, i haven't seen that in a while but uh, it, it, it kind of, i don't know it kind of feels like a piece of this i mean it's I, I, yeah, I, it just it's it's something kind of different from Scorsese, but right in his wheelhouse at the same time. Yeah. Um, it, and De Niro, you know, and it, it just it's kind of fascinating to uh, to watch that, and just the the kind of the social anxiety of the film as well. I mean, like you've got, and it's very clever as well because you kind of think the way the film's going, where it's kind of intercutting the the real stuff with the stuff that's been imagined in his head, like the the kind of the meeting he has with Jerry Lewis's character, and he's like, well. I wouldn't mind bringing this girl and, he's, and Jerry Lewis's character is like, Rupert, Rupert, I'd love to meet her. I, I can't wait. You know, and, and then it comes to that bit where um, he's on the train with her and it's kind of in the house and whatnot. And you're kind of thinking the way the rhythm has been going, you're kind of thinking that, that this is another bit in his head, but it's not. You know, it's like the delusions kind of broken forth into the real world. It's really, really skillfully handled. I mean, it's an incredibly intelligent film. And I mean, like that... You know the editing choices in in that section are, are marvelous, and it's uh, I don't know. I mean, even at the end, you know that same woman, he kind of shows her that she's been on TV, and despite the fact that he has been a complete fucking nut, like the the way that she seems to kind of like you don't see her say anything, but in her body language and her face, she kind of immediately warms up to Rupert just because oh yeah, he is on TV, despite all this weird shit that he's done all like all the time before. He's on TV. Well, you know maybe I am into him. I mean it's um. Yeah, I don't know, that, that kind of says something as well. I mean, you could say it's misogynist, and, you know, with the Sandra Bernhardt character as well. And, you know, she's played completely for laughs. I think there's a little sous-on of that argument there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just... I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I say that, but I, I don't think that is what Scorsese's going for. And, I mean, I just... I, I think it's a virtually perfect film. Yeah, I, I I absolutely agree on that. It, it's it's one of those films that I, I never think it gets anywhere near the the kind of credit or adulation that it, it, it richly deserves. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it's, it's just recently come out on Blu-ray as well, and I um I, I think I'm going to be picking it up at some point. Yeah, it's one that um certainly uh, will will end up grabbing at some point. Yeah, cool man. So uh, that that's King Comedy, and uh, let's finish off with you. Uh, right. Um... I have two to choose from here, uh, and I think I'm going to go for this one. But what I'm going to say first is I, I'm going to quickly cover the other one that I was going to do, but very, very quickly, like a quick snapshot of it. Um, I rewatched uh, Saving Private Ryan the other day, because uh, okay. I realised I hadn't seen it in a, in a number of years. Um, and it, it, it really is an incredibly brilliant film. It's still not the best one. <laughs> um, war film of that year of 1998 I still do prefer Thin Red Line but that opening sort of 25 minutes half an hour of Saving Private Ryan is some of just the most accomplished filmmaking I think I think you're ever likely to see um, and I can still remember quite vividly uh, seeing that in the, the cinema and being very much of holy shit um, you know that was that was intense um, and also, which kind of the whole thing was kind of tinged with a bit of sadness uh, watching it because you're watching it going, 
what the fuck happened to Tom Sizemore? Because he was really fucking good. Mm. Um, but uh, linking into that, um, I uh, watched um, another Tom Hanks film um, for the first time in a long time. I watched Forrest Gump um, for the first time in... Okay. Oh, God, I would say... I would say at least a decade. Uh, the last time I watched it was on VHS. That's how long ago it was. Um, but I, you know, I got back from Saturday weekend uh, and I had the uh, Monday off, so I got up, had some breakfast, and thought, right, I fancy watching something, just something that you know that I can just sit down and watch and let kind of wash over me. Uh, and thought, do you know what? It's quite a nice day. I've got nothing to do all day. I'm going to give Forrest Gump another whirl because I've not watched it in, in years. And I think the in my mind, I remember enjoying it, but it, it's kind of, it, it had kind of diminished in my in my head somewhat. Uh, and so I gave it a go. Um, and I first thought about, sort of, about half an hour, 40 minutes into it, it's, I'd just completely forgotten how dark it is. Forrest Gump, yeah, man. There's, yeah. Yeah, there's some heavy shit in that. You know what? I mean, it is, it, it's it's really dark. And how, I mean, it, it's two hours plus how much it just zips along. Um, and it's one of those films that I think it gets a lot of kind of um, unwarranted uh, criticism. It is incredibly saccharine. And it does it does play um, to tug at the heartstrings, uh, certainly. Um, but... It, it is actually quite a nice film. You know, the character is a a great and interesting character. And it's one of the last times, I think, that Tom Hanks really played a character and not just generic Tom Hanks role. Um, and, you know, Tom, you know, Forrest Gump, he, he, is, he, he is a character piece uh, for the film. And it, it becomes a character that you do actually quite enjoy spending time with. You know, this is just a guy who is slow, knows he's, that he's not quite there but he's just trying to you know possibly a little bit autistic um but you know he's just he's just going through life trying to do the best he can do and be you know the best guy he can be and help out people and do do the things that are right and yes he's not a real world character at all but it's, it's a fucking film it's not the real world it's a it's a version of the real world um, but also as well, it, it has some real kind of fucking gut-punching emotional moments in it that kind of got me a lot more than I remember them ever getting me before. And, you know, I think you, you look at... And it, it, people always say this, but you do start to... You look at things different once you've had kids. And that, that's not one of those dickish things that parents say. Um, you totally do, you, man. You, you, yeah. you absolutely do. And, and I, I have become so much more fucking emotional since, uh, since I've become a father. Everything fucking gets me. And the moment in it where um, Forrest Gump goes to... You know, he's been sat on the bench and he's been released, story. And then in, it, it, that old woman tells him, well, you don't need to get... a a, a bus to this place. It's just up the road, and he runs to you know to meet Jenny and things like that. And she, the kid comes in, and he basically you know it, she says he's, he's called Forrest. Like, oh, it's my name. It's like, oh, we named him after his father. And he realizes that it's his kid, and he starts to kind of recoil um, backwards. And then he asks the question of you know, is he all right? Is he is he like me? And he means is he slow? 
And it's just that bit fucking just knocked me. And I thought, I, this, you know, it, it's got a real fucking punch to it. And I, I ended up finishing it and thinking, do you know what? That was a, 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 a really lovely film to sit and watch on a fucking sunny Monday afternoon when I've got a day off that I don't... Because days off, when you don't usually have a day off there, just feel different. You know, I have Saturdays and Sundays off work practically all of the time. I work Monday to Friday. If I get a fucking weekday off where I've got no, where I'm just on my own, it's like, this is amazing. You know, I, imagine the things I can do with this day. And all I actually do is sit and play FIFA and watch films. But that's all I fucking want to do. I've got one of those coming up, actually. I think I'm going to have a day when um, Donna's got to like, go into work and have a keeping in touch day. And I'm just going to be looking after Lottie. And all I'm going to be doing is like dealing with her and watching films. Yeah. And the great thing is I've got an excuse to watch films because I can't really do anything because I've got to watch her. No, and, and, and about... And, and sort of, I had breakfast and went like that. And then at one point I thought, oh, right, I'm going to have... There's a fish and chip shop just open on the corner from me, and it's pretty fucking good. And I thought, I'm going to have fish and chips for my lunch, because they do a lunchtime meal deal. And I thought, right. Ah, oh, fuck. Right. I know it closes at 2 o'clock, and it's, and it's 1 o'clock. Right, I'm going to go now. So I went there now, so I could watch the second hour of it, eating my lunch. And, uh, you know, that that was it. And it was this whole fucking plan that just fit. And it just sat brilliantly. So it might have just been partly based out of the, the time that I watched it. But I came out at the end of it and thought, that film gets a lot of shit. And I don't see why. It is a really nice film. And it's a really good film. And, you know, yes, it won the Oscar over. Was it Shawshank Redemption? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, sure. But nobody, and Pulp Fiction as well. Yeah, well, yeah. But Pulp Fiction was never going to win Best Picture. And That's nobody true. fucking nobody knew that Shawshank Redemption was a fucking you know masterpiece until after that. You know, Forrest Gump is a worthy winner. I'm not saying it's better than Pulp Fiction or Shawshank Redemption. It's not, but it is a worthy Best Picture winner because it is the type of film that wins Best Picture. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they, yeah, I mean, it totally does. Um... I mean, then again, I mean, like, I think the, the concept of the film that wins Best Picture is ever so slight, slightly changing. When was oh, the yes, last time, yeah. like, a proper fucking feel-good film? Yeah, I, mean, I suppose I... The King's Speech, maybe. To an extent. I mean, the Slumdog to an Millionaire. extent. Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, 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 there you go. I mean, it, it does have, but I know exactly what you mean, like, a big, a big kind of, a film like Forrest Gump. You know, but yeah, they, they don't tend to, it tends to be the slightly more gritty films. And I, I think that was part of the sea of change that we had happening sort of towards the late 90s where, you know, film got to be a little bit, I don't want to say more serious, but it, there was a sea change with the whole, you know, the new um, American film movement that, that happened within the 90s with people like Paul Thomas Anderson and, and Tarantino and, you know, these people kind of became, you know, what had happened previously in the 70s with people like Spielberg and Scorsese and things like that. And that kind of rush came through. The Collins and things like that came to prominence. And that did kind of shift the um, the way that film is viewed, you know, away from just these these standard kind of crowd pleasers. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if that kind of thing was still apparent this year, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty... Exactly, which yeah. Is, which is a genuinely, for me, was a genuinely really lovely, involving film. 
well, you know, would have been nominated for fucking everything, and it was nominated for zero. Mm. But yeah, it, it does, like I say, it does show. I mean, like you say, Boris Gump probably wouldn't um, in in this um, film environment probably wouldn't win. Um, you know, the awards that it won and the acclaim that it won, but it'd still make the same fucking money. In fact, it'll probably make more. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with your point there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just, I, I don't know, it, it's interesting. I haven't seen Forrest Gump for years, but it's, um, yeah, I don't know, it's one I kind of, there's a lot of films that I haven't seen for like 10, 15 years that I'm kind of thinking I need to um, give another crack at, you know. Yeah, that, and that's, that's what I was doing there. I've just gone through watching a lot of kind of like early 90s um, stuff. Um, you have a film that kind of triggers stuff, and then you end up kind of going through. And I, I just seem to have a lot of stuff lined up to watch that all seems to be made between like 1991 and 1995, and it all sort of happens to be kind of films that kind of link into each other in in, in some way. Um, so I, I'm working my way through those at the moment, and it, it is strange how I don't know personally. My film viewing tends to go, you know, one film will influence one film, and then I'll end up watching a, a spate of films that are were made around that same kind of time that have that same kind of tone. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I mean that yeah, Forrest Gump. Uh, it, it I was I was surprised how much I enjoyed it on rewatch. It was a, a very pleasant surprise. Um, so that was our uh, one old one new, uh, and we're going to play a trailer to the next instalment of our uh, when Ian and Mark met Rob uh, marathon uh, with 1994's North. The one thing that we cannot control in this life is who our parents are. You dealt the hand, you're stuck with it. Pants, that's what I know. I know pants. All kinds of pants. Please. All kinds of pants. Let me tell you something. It's not like baseball, where if you don't like the deal you have with one team, you can become a free agent and try to get a better deal with another team. Free agency. If you want my advice, go home, make up, and goodbye. What a scoop! I keep becoming a free agent. Going around offering his services as a devoted son to the highest bidding set of parents. I'm proud of you, kid. You got a lawyer? Let's get cracking. If he is not physically in the arms of either his new parents or his original parents by noon on Labor Day, he will be remanded to an orphanage. And if any of you has ever seen the little rascals, <laughs> you know that's no day at the beach. So North was on his way to find the perfect parents. Well, hey, howdy, North. I know what you're thinking. Big call, right? Everything I own is the biggest and the best. That's why we'd like you to become our son. Here you go, North. Nice cup of hot cocoa. And to go with that, our state dish, Eskimo pie. Hey, what do you know? The salmon are running. Sure, living in Paris would be great. <laughs> but there's always a hitch. Meanwhile, things were heating up at home. Just because you were born 25 years before me doesn't make you smart. <laughs> it doesn't make you right. <laughs> it just makes you old. Aren't I naughty? It just makes you smell worse in the morning. You realize North will never pull this off. He's not. He can do anything. His folks are going to fight it. Of course they are. They're not going to take this lying down. You'll find what you're looking for. Hey, it's you. Trust me, I'm not me. What are you? Some kind of guardian angel? Easter Bunny.
Okay, you had a trailer for North, uh, which is a kind of an adventure fantasy comedy film uh, starring a young Elijah Wood, uh, John Lovitz, not a young John Lovitz, uh, uh, middle-aged John Lovitz, uh, Jason Alexander, um, you've got um, Julie Dreyfus is also in there, and then you've got people cropping up uh, like Alan Arkin, Dan Aykroyd. Um, Kathy Bates is an Eskimo. Kathy Bates, of course, yeah. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Um, and uh, narrated by and frequently starring um, Bruce Willis. Uh, I have seen this. T- I've seen this film before. I actually saw this film uh, on its theatrical release, um, and I've watched it a few times since. Um, Ian, I think this was your first time watching, wasn't it? It was indeed. Um, Ian, <laughs> there's a fucking bit that I want to get your thoughts on. Um, Ian, what did you think of North? Before we get into it, I want to read some excerpts from Roger Ebert's review. <laughs> Go posted on, then. July the 22nd, 1994. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I have no idea why Rob Reiner or anyone else wanted to make this story into a movie, and close examination of the film itself is no help. North is one of the most unpleasant, contrived, artificial cloying experiences I've had at the movies. To call it manipulative would be inaccurate. It has an ambition to manipulate, but fails. Uh, dot, dot, dot. I hated this movie. Hated, 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 hated this movie. Hated it. Hated every simpering, stupid, vacant, audience-insulting moment of it. Hated the sensibility that thought anyone would like it. Hated the implied insult to the audience by its belief that anyone would be entertained by it. Dot, dot, dot. North is a bad film, one of the worst movies ever made. But it is not by a bad filmmaker and must represent some sort of lapse from which Reiner will recover, possibly sooner than I will. Um... So, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Uh, can, can I also point out that Roger Ebert also didn't like Biodome? So, there you go. Oh, there you go. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, Ebert, who uh, died a year ago last week. Yeah. Which is crazy that that was a fucking year already. Um, but, yeah, okay. So, with that in mind, I remember that review because it's one of those great, like, negative reviews of all time type reviews. So, I had that in my mind going into this film, and I had a general kind of, like, uh, a feeling that the film is not very well regarded. And um, I, I can certainly see that in some aspects, but I'll be absolutely honest, I didn't have that bad a time with it. Um, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. And the the main narrative thrust of North realising that his parents are the best parents, your, your own parents, the best parents to pee with, it's kind of weird how inert um, Jason Alexander and Julie, Julia Louis-Dreyfus are. I mean, like, literally for, like, half the film. But even after that, they've got no fight in them. No. They're basically following what, like, a 10-year-old kid has to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I mean, it just, it's full of really odd moments that don't sit well in the slightest but individually, they're kind of nutty enough that I still got something out of it. And it also helps that Elijah Wood is actually quite a, an endearing screen presence. Uh, uh, you know, he, I, I actually thought he was pretty good in this. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, what, what do you think? I mean, I didn't think it was that bad. Um, I, well, I, I have seen this film maybe four or five times now, so I can't think it's, it, it, it's that bad. And to be honest... Once we once we were doing the uh, we we worked out we were doing a Rob Reiner uh, marathon. I pretty much insisted that we watch North, 
Um, for the simple fact it, that it gave me an excuse to actually watch it again. And um, I, I wanted to see what somebody else fucking thought of it, um, other than, than um, Eva, because I, nobody else seems to have ever seen this fucking movie. Um, and I've tried to get Becky to watch it with me before, and she's just gone, no, no. Uh, because if I was just watching a movie, um, you know, that's an older movie uh, to Becky that she's not seen, um, she'll often watch the trailer for it, and she watches and watches the trailer for this, and like, that looks terrible, no. Um, and you know, I, I have part of it. I have I have nostalgic memories for it, so it always sits sits better um, with me. I also have a soft spot for John Lovitz for some weird fucking reason. I don't know why, but I do. Um, and so yeah, I, I do you know what? It, I can admit that it's not a good film. It's it's it, it, it. You could even argue it's a terrible film, but that doesn't make it a terrible watch. And it's still, you know, it's under 90 minutes. It's, it absolutely is a contrived um, to tug at certain emotions, but it is just about batshit enough at some places to make you go, do you know what? Every so often something crops up that when you're starting to go, this is dipping, it's going, it's going down a fucking, you know, it's gone down too far. Something happens and it gets you back up, whether or not, it's, you know, Dan Aykroyd bursting at a song, or it's Elijah Wood getting angry about the fact that um, they're going to advertise his crack. It, it it has enough kind of funny moments. That, yeah, I mean, th- those kind those moments you just mentioned as well, they just kind of feel like they're not quite right for this film. Yeah. It's like Rob Reiner has no experience of kids whatsoever. <laughs> And just doesn't know what's appropriate. So, I mean, that whole thing about his crack, I mean, first off, he asks why, and they don't give a very good explanation no. as to why. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, like, the, the, I don't know. It just... I, I don't, There's a comment I think that Bruce Willis's character says, has as well, and he kind of pops up saying, that, like, you know, I've never met, met a kid who has so much integrity about his crack or something <laughs> like that. It just... It's, 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 it's I mean, it's great. It's you know, it, but it, it is it is a barrel load of what the fuck. Yeah, I mean, because I, when I watched it, I sat and thought, do you know what? I really hope that Ian doesn't know that Dan Aykroyd um, and oh, who is it? Um, uh, Rin McIntyre um, just burst into song at him because that just it makes no sense at all. <laughs> Throughout the entire movie, it just it just makes no sense. And I'm watching it going, it's just ridiculous. Why are they singing? Oh no 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 totally yeah. I mean that, that musical number is crazy. But I mean I don't the amount of shit that doesn't make any fucking sense. Alan Arkin's entire character. Yeah oh no yeah. When, it, when he puts the clock down and says he's you've got six minutes and that's my own clock. I brought it from home. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, it, it just, was that, that kind of felt like just Alan Arkin it, fucking about, basically. Yeah, was that even the character, or was that Alan Arkin? Was that actually Alan Arkin's clock, and he yeah, actually yeah. brought it from home? I believe that. Yeah, and that was actually supposed to be an outtake. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it just, it's... I don't know. It, it just, it, it's... I, I, I don't know what this film is, and I kind of appreciate it for that. It's this weird fable which has just got incongruous inappropriate humor peppered in and i it i I don't know it just it's 
even down to things like instead of it being like um, pasta sauce or ketchup or something that uh, gets on North's hat when the guy thinks he's shot him, it's not. It's borscht. Yeah. And yeah. then then Winchell explains what borscht is. You think that just what? I mean, just the whole idea that you've got a man running around genuinely trying to shoot North in the head for a lot of the climax of the film. I, it, it's, I, 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 it, I mean, it's a hell of a thing. I mean, even though I will say the drama is slightly underdone by the fact that it's obvious it's all a dream sequence right from the very start. Oh, yeah, without, without question, yeah. You know, I mean, I, even just the fact that they do the kind of the wavy thing indicating that, like, he's gone into a dream. Yeah, the fact that yeah, just like, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, literally, he does the it does the wavy visual on screen as if he's gone into a, a dream, so it's it's even more obvious, you know, and which is a kind of a shame because how mad this world gets where, you know, the, the, this kid is trying, he, he starts off as a journalist and then basically becomes the ultimate power player trying to manoeuvre John Lovitz into the position of the President of the United States of America. Yeah, I, I, it just... There's a bit as well Sorry, where Jason on. Alexander actually says to him, you're doing awfully well for a ten-year-old. Yeah, yeah, and he's just like, well, you know, I caught a couple of lucky breaks, and it just slams the door in his face. I mean, it just... I don't know, it's... I, I, I genuinely had an alright time watching it. You know, I mean, like the Eskimo thing as well. What the fuck? I'm sure that's based on actual es- like Eskimo law. Yeah. But it's just the fact that the, 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 the granddad's just like, you know, I, you know, if, if the law changes in the next few days, come feel free to come get me. <laughs> yeah. And then the dad's just like, what did he say?
Cool. Uh, I'm looking very forward to rewatching that. Nice. Uh, so yeah, so uh, next week we're doing uh, Rumour Has It. Um, right, should we get into some uh, Twitter questions? Do it. Have you got them? Uh, I have <laughs> one of them. Have you got any of Have we only got one? Or? No, we've got a couple, I think. Ah, okay. I'll, I'll throw the first one. Do you, yeah. do you want to get into it? Yeah. yeah um, from Tom uh, at Very Cinematic uh, has asked us the question. Uh, Ray Winston will be playing Gary Busey's role in the Point Break remake. Which of Winston? Fucking hell, he's quick on the uptake. That was only just bloody posted online. Yeah. Um, wow. Fair which play. of Winston's old roles should Gary Busey take on? Um, quite simply, Tubal Kane in Noah. That'd be fucking great, wouldn't it? Can you imagine? Oh. I'm, 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 genuinely, I'm not being lazy here. Could you imagine Gary Busey in that role? <laughs> yes. Do you know what? I, do, do you know what? Oh, fuck, that would be wonderful. That would be fucking marvellous. Because, I, I mean, oh, like... Oh, Beowulf. Actually, that Can you imagine be Gary right. Busey as Beowulf? <laughs> yeah, that would be all right. Uh, there's so many... The thing is, I think you could replace Gary Busey with pretty much anybody in, in pretty much any film, and you would make that film... Completely different, but but possibly a, a, a batshit insane film. Because Gary Busey is just great. Oh, and by the way, um, that fucking... I'm, I'm not a remake phobe, and I'm not one to shit on remakes, but what the fuck are they doing with the casting for that Point Break remake? Uh, it's, mental. It's terrible. It's a shitty writer... A meh director, Gerard Butler playing fucking Bodie, and then you know I don't know the kid who's played Johnny Utah might be all right. He's done so little it don't matter. But then Ray Winston in that fucking role, it oh it just it's paining me because I fucking adore the original film and it and I, like I say I, I'm not against it getting remade in theory, but it just. It just sounds fucking horrible. Yeah, no, it does. It, it just... It is a what's the point, but it, it, I mean, it's it's the name thing, you know, yeah. but I, 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 I don't know. Uh, and we did get... I got one from Tom DJ. Yeah. Go on, then. Uh, you have a cinematic time machine. Which movie do you go back and see in its original run? 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, that's a strong shout. Um, because the, the thing is it genuinely was a you've never seen anything like this before film yeah uh, e- e- even if I said like Star Wars or something like that just the, the, the level of like cinematic ambition and you know pushing things it, yeah I mean it would I can't think of another film I would rather do that with than 2001 no, that's, 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 that's a very yeah, I think I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, the one I was going to say before you fucking just trumped it with that um, was going to be Last Sensation of Christ. Oh my god, that's a good choice. Um, just because the um, to to have got to see that film in that kind of at that time that was. You know, it, it, it's it's easy when things get uh, retrograded as one of the most controversial films ever made. But 
Last Temptation of Christ was an incredibly controversial film made by, you know, a, an incredibly powerful filmmaker at the time. You know, he still is an incredibly powerful filmmaker. But it, it, it was, it, it, you know, it, to be made in that climate and at that time, that was a, a, a hell of a risk by Scorsese. Yeah, yeah, no, so really, that's... Yeah, just to be in that audience yeah. as far as people's reactions as well. Like, yeah, yeah, man, that's a good choice. Um, I don't think we have any, any, any more. I don't think. I don't think so, mate. No. No, that's yeah. I think that's all of them. Um, so yeah. Uh, anything to to add? What are we what are we covering next? Oh, we'll be covering. Well, what are we covering next week? I think we've got the same one. Oh, Ray Two, is it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. I'm very, very much looking forward to that. To be honest. I'm gonna I, like Donna's out with Lottie for the day with um, her mum and her sister, so I hopefully will get to do a, a cinema double bill for the first time since before Lottie was born. So Ooh. it's gonna be the Raid Two, and then either Calvary, uh, Muppets Most Wanted, or there's something else out this week that I'm intrigued by as well. Because um, Locks the week after in it. Yeah, Locks the week after. Um, what the fuck is it? Is it the strange clue your body's tears? Because I, I feel like that's going to be playing. Nah, that's not going to be playing. Uh, the, oh, the quiet ones. So hopefully, 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 Calvary and the Rain 2 for me next week, which I'm very, very pumped for. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very much looking forward to seeing the rear. Going in it with with tempered expectations, to be honest. Mm. Um, I'm not expecting the greatest action movie of all time. I'm not expecting, no, I'm not. But I'm expecting already... good movie. I'm very, very wary of the runtime, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was uh, episode sixty. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I think it was a, I think it was a, a solid episode. Um, yeah, enjoyed that. A rare kind of disagreement with the main review as well, which is nice. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, not often that we, we disagree uh, on on the overall um, whether it's shit or definitely not shit. Um, but yeah, um, at Dude and the Monkey uh, on Twitter, at Ian Laurie on Twitter, at Dude Forge. Uh, you can throw questions at us at any point um, throughout the week. Uh, I think now um, we're going to be back onto our regular, you know, once a week kind of schedule. We now. really should be now. Yeah, yeah now that, um, you know, we, we've got bits sorted out. Um, <laughs> I've got nothing planned, luckily. But for the next, upcoming future. Um, so. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Nice one. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.